0: police got the heat in your face money set back but we still gotta keep it on waste Run through my hood so much talent i see that's a waste
1: welcome 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 To episode number three of the Bronx Buyers Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for listening, for subscribing, for being active on the social media, giving me feedback, asking questions. It is all really and truly appreciated. Truly from the bottom of my heart appreciated. I thank you guys for all the support and all the love. Um, We're going to get to like Bronx Facts and Q&A and my topics um, for the week. But what I really want to start this week with, and it's always it's always difficult um, coming in here and recording and starting with a topic like this. But I want to start with the um, tragic passing of Pop Smoke. Earlier this week on Wednesday morning, we got the word that the rapper from Brooklyn, Pop Smoke, was killed um in his Hollywood Hills home as a result of a home invasion slash armed robbery. Um topics like this are are very difficult to speak about. Um you have a situation where a young man figures some shit out in life. You know, he figured out a way to gain money. He figured out a way to give security to his family. You figured out a way to show people that there's another way. You know, coming from the communities that we're from, he was from Brooklyn, you know, you have choices. The drug game, the murder game, the scamming game, which is a popular thing now. And those are like high-risk, high-reward type situations, but in reality, they're high-risk, low-reward because they always usually end two ways, locked up or dead. The drug game, the murder game, the scamming game, all the illegal activities, games, right? He figured out a way through music. And it's such a tragedy because he hadn't even, like, scratched the surface of what he could be. And not only musically, not only as an artist, but in terms of who he could be in his community, who he could be in terms of who he could inspire and who he could motivate who he could touch what messages he could convey you know who he could maybe get on the right path um it's just he he was only 20 years old you know his 21st birthday wasn't until july he was only 20 and um, my condolences man to his family to his close friends, to his loved ones, and to the people who knew him as Bashar Jackson and not how we know him as fans as Popsmoe. My heart goes out to them truly, man, because you know, this is gonna this is he will never be able to speak to them again. You know, he'll never be able to call his mom, say, Hey, how you doing? Speak to his dad, speak to his cousins, his friends, his loved ones. You won't be able to celebrate his birthday. No Christmas, no New Year's. Like, those are the things that deaths really affect. Just when it's always when people celebrate holidays and things like that. It's a time for family. It's a time for love. But when you lose someone, it just makes those times and those occasions more difficult. So my heart, man, really goes out to his family, his close friends, and his loved ones. But bigger than the tragic loss of pop. I really want to talk about the violence that goes on in our communities every day. Um, You know, as black people, we already know what society thinks of us. I know what society thinks of me as a young black man. I know the opportunities that I can receive or the lack of opportunities I can receive are very limited. I know that my life is at risk every single day I step out of my apartment building just because of the color of my skin. I know what hardships and 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 trials tribulations that we go through as black people. And with all of these factors in our daily lives, it's heartbreaking to see so many black lives lost at the hands of other black people. And again, I don't want to um, prognosticate or you know make assumptions because the identities of the assailants have not been found. And I damn sure don't wanna blame black people for his murder if we were not the ones who murdered. Damn sure don't wanna do that. But in the cases where young black people are murdered, unfortunately, uh, it's usually at the hands of us, of, of their own. And, you know, the world at large does not value a black life. The world at large does not care about the struggles of us black people and our plight, and our just daily lives, and what, what we have to do to survive. The world doesn't care. Society doesn't care. So we have to be better as people and protecting and loving and valuing our own. When someone like Nipsey Hussle died last year, it was so crushing. It was so heartbreaking because we knew how much he invested in his community how much he loved his people how much he wanted to help his people how much he he was a leader and a um a philanthropist and when we lose someone like someone like that at the hands of our own due to jealousy due to envy due to hatred it it sends the wrong messages out and these These adjectives, jealousy, hatred, envy in our communities has to end because we cannot advance if we take each other out. We can't advance if we uh, cut off our noses to spite our faces. You know what I'm saying? People who who figure it out and make it to a level of success are very important because they can provide opportunities. They can provide voices for us they can they can be beacons of hope um, due to their platforms due to their level of access due to their financial security where they're not looking over their shoulder and say i can't say this because maybe i can't get paid you know people in these in these higher not higher but these more public positions have expanded platforms to where they can shed light on things to help us and to become a success at anything in this world is 100 times harder for us black people than for any other race so a person with drive passion and commitment to excellence should in my opinion be supported loved and cherished And most importantly, taken care of in our communities because of what they can do for us in terms of how they can shed light on us. Or how can they give us opportunities to succeed and to grow and to maybe make our lives better because of the platforms that they have. The senseless murders of these young, special black people really, really, really have to stop. And they disgust me. They disgust me beyond words. You're murdering these people. You're taking their lives away because of what? Because pop gets on the Internet and shows you the money he has or you have jealousy or hate in your heart because they are in this position of success and you may not be in that position. You would you have so much hate in your heart that you would rather kill a young black man out here doing something than to love and to champion them. It it It's one of the most baffling things to me um, to where we don't see the bigger picture. We're so caught up in what we see on Instagram or Twitter or any social media platforms. We say, oh, man, he has so much money. I hate him. Why? <laughs> Why? You know, these, he is us. I am, I'm so happy to see any young black person or any black person, period, do anything, anything to where he can give his family secure financial security, where he, he don't have to be on the corners hustling. He don't have to be running around with the gun on his waist, looking over his shoulder. He don't have to worry about, oh, man, I got to sell these bricks. He don't have to do none of that. and the killing man the killing in our communities it has to stop it has to we can't advance if we keep killing our own and it sends the message that a black life truly doesn't matter because if we are killing each other then senselessly at that then it says well Hey, it doesn't matter if another race kills us, because I guess we were gonna do it anyway. And that's my opinion. You know, I I don't want to say that that's a statement of fact. That's my opinion. If the world at large sees us daily killing each other, then when they kill us, it's like, well, psh, hey, they were gonna get to it eventually. And I'm really, I'm really just sick of hearing type the shit like this, man. I really am. And it, it really makes me sad. It really breaks my heart, man. Because, you know, we are, I feel like we're the most talented set of people. We're the most gifted. We're the most special race of people in this world. And, you know, the odds are stacked against us. And I understand. And people's backgrounds, people's situations people's you know upbringing dictates a lot of their lives and a lot of our stories are the same poverty single parent households you know poor school at poor school systems you know what I'm saying I understand but if we see one of our own be able to get to a point where they can have some some aspect of success we have to understand that that should be applauded praised celebrated and loved And I just I mean, I'm going to I'm going to leave you with just hold your family close, man. Hold your friends close. Hold your loved ones close. Appreciate every single day you get to walk on this earth. Every day is a blessing and life is so fragile. It's so short. You know, just appreciate every single day that you're woken up and that you get to live another day on this planet because it can end so fast. I'm 100% sure that pop that morning had no idea what was coming and um, you know, just hold all the people you love close and, uh, and appreciate the life that you have and appreciate the life that you've been given. Um, Because it could all end so quick So Rest in peace to Bashar Jackson A.K.A. Pop Smoke You are gone but you are not forgotten Prayers, love, condolences To your family And please as black people We have to stop Killing each other So now if you join me I would like to have a brief moment of silence For the life Of Bashar Jackson, aka Pop Smoke. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to the Bronx Spires Podcast, Episode 3. I am your host. My name is Denzel. Um, we're going to have a great pod today. I just really wanted to get that out off the top. That was something that was real near and dear and close to my heart. Just want to express that off the top. Um, someone did bring to my attention, and I thank you for that, that I did not say or I do not say in the last two episodes the name of the intro song when I after I play it. And I was like, oh, shoot, like one. Thank you for that, because I really like went over my head completely um so the intro song for today was good die young by jim jones featuring mark scribula off the album el capo um if you want to download stream however you consume music um thank you for that Uh, because i really like that really went over my head i had no idea i wasn't saying the names of the intro songs i knew i was saying the name of the outros but not the intro so thank you for that the other two um if you do not know episode one was lean back by the terror squad and the second was chef dredge by griselda um you can follow me and you can hit me on instagram and twitter at rogers neighborhood that is r-o-d-g-e-r-s-n-e-i-g-h B O R H O O D for Instagram and Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood R O D G E R S N G H B R H D there are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter Um now it is time for my favorite segment of the Pod Bronx Facts <laughs> If you do not know what bronx facts is it's just my little segment at the beginning of each pod where i give you a little known fact about the bronx or a fact that maybe you just did not know in general um, about the bronx new york just to try and dispel any you know stigmas negative opinions views that the bronx new york one does not contribute to society at large and to help break the bronx bias so today's fact is extending Twenty-four miles from Westchester County down into the Bronx. The Bronx River is the only entirely freshwater river in New York City. It was originally called the Aquahung River by Native Americans and was later named for Jonas Bronck after European settlements of the area. Jonas Bronck, the Bronx. That is your Bronx fact of episode number three. So now I want to answer some of you guys' Twitter and Instagram questions. I really like this. I really like doing this um, because, one, you guys are really listening, number one, and thank you for that. Um, And you guys are actually, like, sending me questions. So anytime I get questions, I would like to answer just to keep you guys involved, to keep you guys engaged, you know, um, make you guys feel like you're a part of this because you are, number one. And, you know, I really just like that. You know, I ask you guys to send questions if you have, and you guys do, Um, even though a lot of them are on the TMZ shade room side like this one here. So the first one says, I heard on last episode that you said you do not have a valentine, but do you date? And what is the worst date that you've ever been on? (sighs) You guys, man, you guys are some TMZ shade room boss, baller alert type people, man. but it's cool. Um I do date it's not frequently. Um I wouldn't say that it's like a consistent thing with me at least in the last 3 2 to 3 months because really again I've been like busting my ass like figuring this shit out, figuring out the concepts, figuring out the direction, you know, getting the logo design, you know, creating the uh the platform, getting the equipment, learning the equipment, podcasting, I swear it's not as easy as just getting a mic and plugging it in and start talking some shit like it's really 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 more difficult than i guess meets the eye um so it's really infrequent for me at least at this point of course subject to change but i just at this point in time it's like you know really like shaky on that i'm really because i'm really like involved like super, super, super dedicated to this shit to like getting it off the ground and you know, just making it happen. So and the worst date, um I mean I don't I can't I don't really know. I mean I can tell you a story of one of the more interesting uh interactions I've had. Um what was this? That doesn't matter. Um I was on a uh dating app. Once once upon a time, I'm not going to say the name of it. And a person I met a person on there, Um, not going to say anyone's name. Everyone's uh, identity will be secret except Denzel's. Um, And initially when I came in contact with this person, um, it was a little shaky because all of her photos were cut, like cut on the right side. So the right side of her face was cut out in every picture or the right side of her body was cut out in every picture. Everything on the right side was cut off, like cropped out. So you couldn't see. All you could see was everything on the left side. So at first, I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm not playing this fucking game with y'all people. I'm not doing this. Like, nah, you you playing the game with me. All my pictures is front face. You can see both sides of my face. Why all your shit just cut off? But I was just like, ah, you know, whatever, hey like, maybe I'm not being open-minded, maybe I'm being grumpy, maybe I'm being, you know, a stick in the mud or something, so I said, all right, whatever, I went against my better judgment, that's the moral of the story, never go against your better judgment. So, you know, in the midst of us talking, you know, I thought she was kind of cool, you know, she was into a lot of things I was into, hip-hop music, you know, sports, she would like sneakers, or something I really like, she knew about, like, the streetwear brands, and shit like that. like We were have good conversations, a good family background, It scene that she had. Um, so I was like, well, you know, hey, if I do end up meeting this person, I don't know where this goes, but it seems like we'll have a lot in common. It seems like it'll be easy, you know, easy transition to meeting them and maybe going forward. So the time came where I said, hey, you know, we want to go out somewhere. And um, I had a little thing planned. It wasn't no big production. I don't want to make it seem like that, but we were going to go to a museum. Uh, it was called Spyscapes. it's really cool actually if you have not been there it's like on 50 something street and 8th avenue it's close to columbus circle um it's basically like an interactive spy museum so you do like spy shit you do surveillance you could like go through the little lasers like you have seen on james bond and shit it's cool it's actually pretty cool um so when i arrived to the place um i'm across the street from it and i see someone who i believe to be her her back was turned And so I don't know why, but I just said, you know, let me just get my phone out and call, call her to see if it is her. And this is where things took a turn for the worse. So I get out my phone and call um, and she turns around. And when she turned around, it was like Neve and the MTV crew should have just popped out right there because Denzel unfortunately got catfished. And she turns around and I see, I understand clearly why all her pictures, or at least on her face, were cut off on the right side. She turns around and I hate to be insensitive, but there's really no other way to say it. (sighs) She had the laziest eye I have ever seen. (laughs) I'm at the point where I can laugh. I'm at the point where I can laugh about it now. Uh, but at the time, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> to give you an idea of how it looked. And again, I don't want to be insensitive. I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. Um, <laughs> I don't really, I really don't want to be insensitive. But um, to give you a good idea of how it looked, um, basically... Think of the clock like an analog clock with a minute in our hand. Think of an analog clock at 3 o'clock p.m. <laughs> That's the best way I could uh, sum it up with you, man. It, she turned around and the clock was set at 3 p.m., man. And I was and then I, at the when I was seeing it, I was like, what the like, what do I even do? Like, do I just get the fuck out of there? Like, do I run? Do I just turn around? But she already is. She already saw me because I called and she turned around. So she saw me across the street on the phone. Um, but, you know, to my credit, you know, because I really didn't want to be like an ass. I went through with it. I went through with it and she was actually very nice. Like she was nice. But nah man, I couldn't I couldn't deal with three o'clock, man. I couldn't deal. Um but it is a, a great commercial for Spyscape the museum and Spyscape's new model. This is I just freestyling this. Spyscape. The interactive spy museum, so fun that you forget that you just got catfished. <laughs> Oh shit, man. Yeah, but I'm at the point now I could laugh about it. I'm really not like mad or anything like that. It was a experience. I have a great story now that I could tell. Um so thank you for that question. I hope that uh that story was a little entertaining for you. Um the second is who are some of your personal inspirations slash heroes? And that's a really, really long answer and I'm a long winded ass motherfucker, so um I can't really spend all the time on it like the people who do inspire me man because it's a really long long list of people especially black people out here doing shit who i draw personal inspiration from um you know just like maybe like barack obama and um chris rock you know um richard pryor lebron kobe um jay-z kanye uh you know uh andre 3000 like the list goes on in terms of music sports entertainment politics like i have so many so i can't really spend that much time but i will uh talk about one of the biggest 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 inspirals in my life and that's dave chappelle i'll spend a little time on that um the first time i ever watched dave chappelle it was his hbo comedy special called Killing Them Softly. I was about maybe 11 years old. And I didn't understand much of it, you know, because it's grown folk jokes, you know, and I'm a little boy. So I don't really get much of it. Um, You know, at the time that I watched it, you know, going back now and watching it like, oh, shit, like this is really some genius level shit. But at the time, you know, you don't really get it. Um, But there was one joke that stuck out to me. And really, maybe because it was just on my level of comprehension, But it was like one of those like it clicked like, nah, this guy is the man and I'm only 11. So he had did a joke where he was looking for television for his nephew to watch. And he was like, you know, trying to find something for him to watch. And then he landed on Sesame Street. He was like, oh, Sesame Street, this is great. Like he'll learn how to count and learn how to spell, read shit like that. But then he noticed how fucked up Sesame Street really was in terms of how they treated Oscar the Grouch. And, like, when I seen it, I was literally, like, on the floor laughing because, one, I got the joke. And, two, like, yo, when you really think about it, it's really, really fucked up how they treat Oscar the Grouch. So, I have the clip here. It's a real brief clip. It's like a minute. And it's just the first time I ever saw Dave and how funny I thought this joke was. I turned on Sesame Street. And I said, oh, phew, Sesame Street. This is much better, because now he'll learn how to count and spell. But now I'm watching it as an adult, and I realize Sesame Street teaches kids other things. It teaches kids how to judge people and label people. That's right. They got a character on there named Oscar. They treat this guy like shit the entire show. They judge him right in his face. Oscar, you are so mean. Isn't it, kids? Yeah, Oscar. Oscar. You're a grouch. It's like, bitch, I live in a fucking trash can. (laughs) I'm the poorest motherfucker on Sesame Street. Nobody's helping me. Then you wonder why your kids grow up and step over homeless people. Get it together, grouch. Get a job, grouch. So, when I seen that shit, man, I was like, yo, this dude is hilarious. Who is this man? Like, I want to watch more. I want to learn more and see what other jokes he has. And right after I'd seen that, The Chappelle Show dropped. And The Chappelle Show is still one of the funniest comedy shows ever fucking created in this world. It is still legendary. Legendary. Some of the funniest funniest comedy sketches you will ever watch in your entire fucking life from when keeping it real goes wrong from uh um the nigger family which was a white family with the last name nigger prince playing basketball the black white supremacist um the N one mixtape tour and other sports um how things look better in slow motion uh uh, black bush uh like and of course rick james bitch like that was like the Chappelle show i can't really put into words how funny impactful groundbreaking that shit was but it was really like one of the best tv shows ever and comedy in my opinion is about intelligence in order to like appeal to a mass amount of people make them laugh or make them see how different things are funny or make light of certain things you have to have like a supreme level intelligence like stupid people can't make you laugh by design but i mean like a stupid person can make you laugh just by being stupid but a stupid person can't make you laugh by like thinking things out and formulating jokes and framing things and timing and all that shit that goes into comedy like, a a tremendous comedian is a super, super intelligent person, in my opinion. And I have a real high respect level for stand-up comedians. Because, the one, the balls it takes. And, two, like, the amount of work it takes to writing jokes and working your material and figuring out different ways to deliver jokes and how to make serious, serious topics lighthearted to make people laugh at it. Like, that is one of the hardest shits to do. So... You know, I respect that, and with Dave, man, I respect his brilliance, man, and more than that, I respect his authenticity and his integrity, because if you remember, in like 2004, maybe 2005-ish, you know, he had left the Chappelle show after two seasons, and everyone's like, wow, God, why would he leave, and maybe he's crazy, or blah, 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 but then you come to find out, when more stories broke, was that Comedy Central Wanted to change a lot of the show, wanted to have more input on the types of things that he's talked about, the type of sketches that he wrote, his writing style, the things that he discussed, topics, Change a lot of his creative control, basically. And they were offering him a huge bag. I want to say like a $50 million bag, but he was just so true to himself. He was so... Um, he had the courage of his convictions and he was so, you know, he had, well, he had so much integrity that he was saying, like, basically, you can't buy me with money. You can't change me with money. You know what I'm saying? I want to do the show that's true to me. I want to talk about the shit that's true to me. I want to relate to my people. And you can't throw money at me and then try to change everything about me. Like, that's not how I rock. And I when I found that out, man, I just gained so much respect, so much admiration for him, man. And he's really, really one of my like one of my personal heroes. Um, I really love and respect him. And that like really impacts me because like think about it like this. This is called the Bronx Vice Podcast, right? I love the Bronx, New York. If someone came to me, a major streaming platform and said, Denzel, we want to give you a huge bag to do an exclusive podcast for us, but you can't talk about the Bronx. Well, what sense does that fucking make? You know what I'm saying? But it's hard in a lot of situations when you come from a maybe a impoverished background to say no to money, right? So him saying that money, you can't control me with money is like something that I will take with me. I can't give up myself, I can't give up what makes me, me, my core, my essence, just chasing the dollar. Because every dollar isn't the right dollar. And, like, I really learned that from him. I'm really happy that I've been able to watch his career. Um, he has tremendous stand-up specials. If you have not seen that Killing Me Softly special, I believe it's on YouTube or on HBO still. He had another special called For What It's Worth. I believe that's with Showtime. And then he had that huge Netflix run got like four or five specials on Netflix right now if you have a Netflix account or if you know somebody with a Netflix account because that's how much of us watch Netflix, to be honest. Um, if you want to check those out, man, if you want to watch the Chappelle show, man, um, just want to really, really, really one of my biggest inspirations, one of my heroes, man, somebody I really, really, truly respect, um, Dave Chappelle. I hope that answers your question or to some degree. Um, Just with someone who really really inspires me and I'm a long-winded ass motherfucker so I knew that was a long-ass answer but Dave Chappelle that's my guy for real and thank you again for these questions Um, if you feel compelled to do so anything you could think of if you want to shoot me a message feel free Instagram and Twitter is the best way to get in contact with me and keep the questions coming man I appreciate them the next topic is uh, really in my lane lane my sports lane Uh, I just really want to talk about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, part two. If you guys don't know, those are two boxers in the heavyweight division, both undefeated. Uh, Deontay Wilder is called the Bronze Bomber. Tyson Fury is called the Gypsy King. He's from Great Britain. Um, uh, Deontay, I believe, is from Alabama. And let me start with, if you have never seen Deontay Wilder box. Please, I implore you, go on youtube.com, type in Deontay Wilder knockout. It is some of the most compelling content you will ever see, okay? This dude is a straight knockout artist. like, And the way he, not, he don't just knock you out and you really fall because of fatigue. The way he puts dudes on the ground, it's it's insane. It's like in the Mike Tyson lane. Um, Deontay man, he's really he's like a he's a special fighter, man. And he's he's so fucking strong. The way he just it looked like the punches come from like another state, and then when they land, whew, the dudes be and these are heavyweights, so you know they're big guys. They be discomb ovulated after Deontay Wilder right hand. So um they fought once last year and went 12 rounds and ended up in a draw. What I will say about Tyson Fury, um he has a lot of experience. He's a very great technical boxer. And um he he survived a Deontay Wilder right hand. I don't know if you guys have watched the first one, but in the twelfth round, Deontay finally connected because Tyson was really good at moving you know, sticking and moving, staying out of his um strike zone. But Deontay finally got him. Boom! Tyson was done. I was like, oh, man, Deontay got another one. But then, out of nowhere, Tyson got up. It looked like, if you ever watch wrestling, the WWE, it looked like The Undertaker, because The Undertaker has a gimmick where you think he's, like, knocked out, and then he sits up really fast. Like, boom, he gets up. Um, it looked just like that. So Tyson... Tyson Fury is like, you know, he's very great taste, very technically sound. Um, he's got great footwork. He's very unorthodox. Um, so he could give Deontay problems because Deontay a knockout artist. But I really think this is going to be a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous fight. My money, of course, is on Deontay Wilder because he's just he's a fucking bull, man. He's he is he's incredible to watch. He's incredible. My money's on Deontay. I know it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous fight. I cannot wait to watch it. Um, If anyone got that, you know what I'm saying, that little, you know, hookup, let me know. <laughs> I'm joking, but um, yeah, man, I can't wait to watch it. And I love to see, like, boxing coming back, you know, because for a long time, boxing kind of died. And I'm not going to say Mayweather killed it, but he contributed to where boxers didn't fight the best boxer at the time you know what i'm saying mayweather strategically picked out fights i'm gonna fight him this time i'm gonna fight him at that time i'm gonna fight him this time just to i maybe on a self-preservation note you know i can't i'm not gonna sit here and shit on it he is undefeated i'm not gonna shit on it and he's made a whole lot of money so i ain't gonna sit here and act like i'm hating because i ain't but it contributed to you would never see the best fighter fight the best fighter at the best time. So then all the attention really shifted to the UFC because Dana White and the UFC were saying listen, if if you the champ, you're going to fight the next best person in the division and if you don't fight him, we're stripping you your title. Boom. So it just made you the best fighter always fought the best fighter. So everyone really like got off of boxing and went to UFC because you're just seeing the top of the top. But I really, really love that that's coming back. The best fighters are fighting the best fighters because it just makes for better matches. Um, so I'm really happy to see that Deontay and Tyson are fighting again. Um, I, I know it's going to be a great, great fight. And my money's on Deontay, so look out for that. It's Saturday, I believe. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, man, I, I encourage it. If you're a fan of boxing, if you're a fan of fight sports, you will not be disappointed. The next is the NFL and their collective bargaining agreement, the new collective bargaining agreement. If you do not know a collective bargaining agreement is an agreement between NFL players and the NFL players association and the NFL owners, which me, it, it is a uh, session where uh, standard operating practices are agreed upon. So basically if players have issues that they want to be addressed they use this time to get that out. If owners have issues that they want to be addressed, they use this time to get this out. So the latest um, in this story is the owners have a proposal. They would like to increase the season from a 17 game season from, I'm sorry, from a 16 game season to a 17 game season where they get rid of one preseason game. And I believe add an additional bye week, but they also expand the playoffs. So um, you have one additional regular season game, and you would have an additional playoff game. Um, and the money, the split, I want to say is about a 47% split, which means the players get 47% of the annual revenue. The owners get the remainder percent. I can't do math, so I don't know how much that is off the top. Uh, maybe 53, I'm guessing. Um, and <clears throat> I mean,. I, I saw that the, the salaries, the average salaries would rise and, you know, the money. The players would potentially receive um, an additional f- uh, $5 billion over the course of 10 years. But I'm looking at this shaky because the NFL is shaky. It's a shaky organization, and I love football. I can't. I'm going to say that off the top. I love football. I love watching football. But the NFL um, recently has been talking about how they're so serious about player safety, how they're so s- how they care so much about the rules of the game they want to legislate the big hits out of the game and they want to make it a a safer game and that your kids can want to play and your parents won't be afraid to let your kids play football because the head injuries and the body injuries and all that but the nfl at the end of the day wants to make money number one and protect his interests and you can't tell me that a five billion dollar uh i suppose revenue split over 10 years means much, it doesn't. Because if you're telling me that you can pay someone $5 billion over the course of 10 years, that means that you make way more to compensate for that, right? You wouldn't sign someone to a $100 million contract if you only had $100 million, right? That just doesn't make sense. So that that really doesn't like like um do much for me, In that vein, I don't like that they're putting an extra game on these players. I don't like that they're trying to increase the playoffs because you're talking about player safety. You're saying you want to keep these players safe. Well, what increases the risk of them being unsafe? More football games. And, of course, to the average consumer, they're saying, oh, man, it's more football. The season's longer. We love football. And that's true. We do love football. And I love football, too. But if the... If the topic is player safety and let's be real NFL players be fucked up, they be fucked up CTE, uh, traumatic head injuries, concussions, um, ACL tears, Achilles pops, strained pecs, um, you know, torn biceps playing through all that shit. That's rough It's f- football is one of the most physically demanding sports. So I also saw that they were um uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they were um uh gonna be lighter on the marijuana thing, you know, because we do have found that there are a lot of medicinal properties in marijuana. I'm a big proponent of it in, in major sports or recreational use. I really don't give a fuck about weed, it's just to keep it a bean. I don't give a flying fuck about weed. I'd rather you smoke all the weed in the world, eat all the edibles that you want, the weed edibles. Just stay away from them fucking cigarettes and stay away from them hard-ass drugs. That's all I got to say about that. But I saw that they were going to lighten on the marijuana penalties where if you got caught with it like a dirty test that they wouldn't um they would suspend you. You may have to just pay a fine or something, which is good because there are a lot of medicinal qualities in using marijuana, especially for a <clears throat> physically demanding sport like football. So... I really like that, but I think that uh, that proposal needs a lot of work, and I hope that the players do their due diligence and don't get blinded by the weed thing and a a little increase in money, Um, especially if the big topic for the NFL is player safety. And I would love to see more money spent on CTE research, on concussion research, on traumatic head injury research, and I would like to see more money invested in post player pension programs because the average NFL player if you did not know plays for a span of 3.5 seasons so three seasons and a half a season not every player is a superstar there are more players who play those small amount of time than play the Tom Brady level 20 year plus career so I would love to see more money put into that because these players be fucked up when they stop playing I would like to see the NFL support its players more in terms of keeping them safe, number one, and supporting their post-playing careers. Um, So I hope that CBA gets amended. I hope that the players really do their due diligence on that and try to make a good deal that shows improvement in the lives of the guys who actually put the product on the field. And the last topic, uh... of the the pod before I wrap up is I want to shed some light on some great non-for-profit organizations. Um, I love us. I love organizations that want to help us, help our communities and help our society at large. So I want to highlight um, three programs that I um, have found uh, just to show you what they do and how they help and if you would like to help or be a part of them. Um, links to their websites so you can um maybe contribute to them in any way. The first is the National Council of Negro Women, the NCNW. It is a coalition comprised of 200 community-based sections in 32 states and 38 national organizational affiliates that works to enlighten and inspire more than 3 million women and men. Its mission is to lead, advocate, and empower women from African descent, their families and their communities. NCNW's programs are found are grounded on the foundation of critical concerns known as 4 for the future. The NCNW promotes education with a contra- concentrated focus on science, technology, engineering, art and mathematics. It encourages entrepreneurship financial literacy and economic stability and educates women about good mental and physical health practices promotes civic engagement and advocates for sound public policies consistent with traditional values if you are interested in becoming a part of the ncnw you can get more information on them at their website ncnw.org the second is help for felons and this one is really like near and dear because growing up where i grew up or just in new york city a lot of the people you come to know and love some of your great friends get caught up in the system and unfortunately the way that the system goes a lot of people who come out say it's like a hamster wheel you go to jail you come out you can't get opportunities you go back to jail you come out, you can't get opportunities, you go back to jail. You come out, you, it goes on and on and on and on until you do it so many times that they just put you in there forever. And they will hide your ass in one of them fucking prisons. Don't get it fucking twisted either. So um, Help for Felons uh, is an organization dedicated to, to providing support and directions to felons, inmates, and ex-offenders in every aspect of life. Um, here you will find excellent sources and directories in regards to jobs, re-entry, legal and financial help, housing, and much, much more. The goal is to give the former ex-offenders, felons, and inmates tools that they would need to not only live, but to live a successful and fulfilling life. Again, that's really like important to me. That's really near to me because people come out the system and the world basically turns their back on them. So any organization dedicated to helping people who just made mistakes in life and just need a little direction, a little help, I love and I support. The website for them, if you'd like to get involved or get more information, is called helpforfelons dot org. And the last <clears throat> the last nonprofit excuse me is the Bowery Mission. And this is a um a nonprofit that I've actually done a little work with. Um New York City Rescue Mission and Goodwill Rescue Mission have joined forces with the Bowery Mission in order to effectively combat the epidemic of homelessness affecting nearly 70,000 people in New York City and to meet needs of significantly more people across the New York metropolitan area. Leveraging more than 400 years of combined service, three historic organizations have become one to reimagine the fight against poverty and homelessness. And what they do are food drives. Um, They have programs where they feed the homeless. They have programs where they clothe the homeless. They have programs to where they help them find affordable housing. Um, They have programs to where they, you know, have just give people a place to go, a place to stay briefly if they can. Like they're really tremendous people. And I have done a little work with them. I don't want to make it sound like I'm. This Superman either. I'm, I don't really don't like to talk about that type of stuff because I don't want to send the wrong message like I'm doing it for cloud or whatever like nah something like that helping others is like important to me. I don't want to misrepresent myself so I don't talk about it a lot but this I know for a fact this place is really a great place. They really do great work in the community and helping the homeless especially now when the when the weather is cold you know, the winter is harsh. Um, so something like that, just giving them a, a meal or a new sweater, a new coat, it, it really does a lot for these people. And I really wanted to highlight and um, give them some love because they really do great work. I look forward to working more with them in the future. And um, if you would like to get involved, if you would like to just get more information, their website is bowery.org. And that will wrap it up. Episode number three of the Bronx Boys podcast is in the books. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing. Thank you guys for being active and sending me questions. Thank you guys for the love, for the support, for everything that you have given me in this in this brief in this baby stage of the pod. Um, I appreciate all the love I've gotten, and I look forward to continuing. And I get better each week and, you know, keep working on this craft. Um, Once again, rest in peace to Bashar Jackson, a.k.a. Pop Smoke. You are gone, but you are not forgotten. I'm going to fade you guys out with a great song called Murder to Excellence by Jay-Z and Kanye West off the album Watch the Throne. This has been the Bronx Buyers Podcast. We out.
2: Bloody murder, murder, murder. La 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 murder, murder, murder. La 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 la. Bloody murder, murder, murder. murder, black on black murder. Paperie murder, black on black murder. To the memory damn Dan Roy Henry. Too much enemy fire to catch a friend. Strays from the same shade, nigga. We on the same team. Giving you respect, I expect the same thing. All black, everything, nigga. You know my fresh coat. Mouth fighting for you. Don't increase my stress, though. Niggas watching stone. Very happy to be here. Power to the people. When you see me, see you. And I'm from the murder capital, where they murder for
0: capital. Heard about at least three killings this afternoon. Looking at the news like them, I was just with them after school. No shop class, but had the school got a two, And a, I could die any day type attitude. Plus, his little brother got shot repping his avenue. It's time for us to stop and redefine Black power 41 souls murdered in 50 hours. Paper murder. Black on black murder. The murder. Black on black murder. Yeah. Cries, know the family traumatized. Shots left holes in his face. About the old pastor the closed, the cold past. It they said the church ain't got enough room for all the tombs. It's a war going on outside. We ain't safe from. I feel the pain of my city wherever I go. 314 soldiers died in Iraq. 509 died in Chicago. I
2: arrived on the day Fred Hampton died. Uh, real niggas just smoke the fly. 8721 21, i supposed to die, so I'm out here celebrating my post demise, if you put crabs in a barrel to ensure your survival, you gon' end up pulling down niggas that look just like you, what up blood, what up cuz, it's all black, I love us, the paper read murder, black on black murder,
0: the read murder, black on black murder again,
2: Black on black murder again. <laughs> black on black murder again. It's a celebration of black excellence. Black tie black make backs. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, black excellence, opulence, decadence, plexus, next to the president, oppressing our president, I dress, and Drees the boutique stores and patties, and sheepskin coats, I silence the glam. Do you know who I am, Gladys? No cheap cologne, whenever I geez. Success never smells so sweet. I stink of success, the new black elite. They say my black car bit the mark of the beast. I repeat, my religion is the be. My verse is like church, my cheese is peace. Now please, Domino. Domino, only spot a few blacks the higher I go What's up, well? Uh, shout out to O. Uh, that ain't enough, we gon' need a million more. Uh, Kicking the dough, Biggie Flow. I'm all dressed up with nowhere to go. Uh, yeah, it's all messed up when it's nowhere to go. So we won't take the time out till
0: we reach the TOV. For parolees, the OGs, so keys, low keys. We like the promised land of the OGs in the past. If you picture events like a black tie, what's the last thing you expect to see? Black guys. What's the life expect to see? Black guys. The system's working effectively, that's why i be a real man. Take care of your son. Every problem you had before this day is now done. New crib, watch a movie. Cause ain't nothing on the news but the blues. Hit the mall, pick up some Gucci. There ain't nothing new but the shoes. Sunday morning, praise the Lord. You the girl that Jesus had been saving me for. So let's savor this moment and take it to the floor. Black excellence, truly yours. yours.